Tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, two teams are eliminated from the finals series. We take a look at the matches from week one of the finals. We preview the games from week two of the finals. And Messenger continues to bedazzle us with his voice. All this and more coming right up. I would like to send dedication to Wookie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast. Uh, this is the second week of the finals. With me tonight, we have another bumper cast of characters. Uh, say good day to SJ, who's with us from the Geelong board. G'day, how you all going? And uh, his uh, love of his life, uh, Seppo from the Frio board. Oh, great to be back here after getting through that lovely victory. A somewhat hoarse Russell Ebert handball. Yes, um, good evening all, and it's wonderful to be back for a second week. And Messenger is also back uh, after his win on the weekend. Greetings, one and all. And the old Duck Navies is here from the Carlton board, and I'm sure he's excited about stuff too. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, joining us for the first time is Vaughn from the Sydney board. She's probably less happy, but uh, still probably happy to be in the finals, <laughs> I'd say. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Guys, it's been a very big week in uh, in, in, in football. Um, three big uh, upsets on the weekend, you might say, uh, with uh, Port getting up over Collingwood, uh, Carlton getting up over Richmond, and uh, someone else getting up over uh, someone else. Um, <laughs> sorry, Seppo. Uh, Frio getting up over Geelong at uh, Cadinia Park. And uh, so I guess it's time... I, I mean, SJ and Vaughn aren't going to be overly happy with this section, but uh, memorable moments and highlights from the weekend, guys. Uh, we'll start with Seppo. Um, obviously, my memorable moment would be Freo getting over Geelong, but I actually think, which is a good news story, is the whole Renee Tong thread that's on the main board and the success of that. I think that's uh, one of the best things I've seen in my memorable moment this week, far from the um, Freo win over Geelong. Hmm. She came across very well on the interview we did with her as well. Yeah, um, really a 20-minute podcast. Yeah. I don't know about the result, but it's um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they've um, sorted it all out. Mm. Russell Ebert Hamble, your uh, highlight from the weekend. Um, making it two out of two for the G this year, obviously, is my, is my highlight. And um, uh, and they're totally ignoring the election. I usually am an, an election nerd um, when it comes, so I was a bit, I was a bit preoccupied. As were most of us, I imagine. Messenger, your highlight from the weekend? A uh, very pleasant weekend, Friday night, uh, followed by the uh, the uh, awesome prospect of Sophie Mirabella being voted out of the house. <laughs> Good uh, for society. Hawks fans saying it wasn't much of a... didn't feel like a final, apparently. Oh, it felt like a final to me. I thought it was a fantastic, a fantastic night. And uh, the old Dark Navies, what was your highlight from the weekend, mate? Oh, 95,000 at the G, um, highest elimination final crowd in decades. Um, and uh, Chris Judd on one leg, inspiring the side in the third quarter, and the roar when he kicked the goal in the last. 
Excellent. Now, I know the last two on this cast probably don't have a, a highlight for such, but perhaps a memorable moment uh, from SJ? Yeah, it was probably um, while I was looking at my wounds, turning in to watch the second half of the Port Collingwood game and uh, just seeing how much uh, dare and dash that Port played within that last 15 minutes of running away with it, um, put a smile on my face. Yep. And how about you, Vaughn? Um, I really don't have any memorable moments because all my teams lost. So, um, yeah, it was it was good to see my boys put in a bit of effort in the first half, I guess. Yeah, my, my highlight perhaps was uh, Jared Waite kicking four goals in a final after being slandered all year by people saying that he would never perform when it counted, and he did. But perhaps an even bigger highlight for me didn't come from the football world, it came from soccer. And um, I don't know if any of you saw this in The Age today, but uh, a Brazilian um, soccer club's uh, physiotherapist decided to take it upon himself to perform two match-winning goal saves and then run off in fear of his life. Oh, I saw the footage of that. It was, that was absolutely hilarious. The guy running away with everyone chasing him into the Just, rooms. It was one of the funniest things I've seen. picked up his bag I've and seen. bolted. <laughs> the, the most popular sports scientist since the weapon. <laughs> the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Oh, anyway. All right, I better watch Fox Sports News tonight. Then sounds like a good one. It's it's up on the Age website, um, but uh, okay, yeah, basically he he saves the ball not once but twice, and then runs off. He loved his club that much. It'd be like Carlton's water girl stepping in if like on the last line of defence. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Oh, nothing at all. She's she's my avatar at the moment. Is that her avatar? Yes. Yeah, um, that, that happened uh, up in uh, the SCG in 1996 when Rodney Eve first started coaching, didn't he? Flooded the defence with all the trainers. It was great to watch. Well, John Barnes used to mind space when he was running for um, when he was uh, running for Geelong, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, for a little while there. It was a done thing with all runners until the AFL uh, kind of put a stop to it. Uh, but, but Rocket Eid, um, I was living up in Sydney at the time, and he was just brilliant the way he got their trainers to fill space. Not the runners, but the trainers. Because you have about six of them run onto the field in the defence of 50 on that tight SCG. Great tactic. And when they're playing Carlton, you have to be very careful because they can't tell them apart from the players. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they're wearing a different colour. Oh, I saw it raise the Frio uh, Medico was out there... Um was out there the other night, and that's been raised on some of the shows as well. So he was filling space quite nicely, dressed resplendent in the purple as he was. <laughs> resplendent in purple. Who'd ever thought you'd hear that? Yeah. Um, so we've got a fair bit of news to get through. Uh, Gary Ablett last night won the uh, AFL MVP, uh, the AFL uh, Players Association MVP, rather, for the fifth time. Um, safe to say he's probably going to go down as the record holder for that for a little while. Um, a thousand votes clear of Joel Selwood. Um, so congratulations to Gary Ablett, I suppose. Any uh, thoughts on that? He won by uh, yeah, no, no, I don't have any thoughts on that. Nobody's <laughs> taken votes off him up there, are they? No, no. no, no. I, I love how they no longer try and explain how the players vote because there is no way that all the players watch all 190. What are we up to? 198 games. Yeah. It's just done on, uh, you know, when you play them once or twice and a little... Because so, some guys admit they never watch any football. Yeah. 
we might be we might be shocked and have a key position player win one of these things one day. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, midfield well, Ruff, Ruff had done all right, didn't he? He was third or fourth. Ruff had made he, it up. Was he nine thousand votes behind Adelaide? Or yeah, it could <laughs> <have> been <laughs> pretty much. May as well have been. Uh, lots of clubs delisting uh, in the middle of uh, doing all their delisting and everything. Collingwood have cut six, including uh, Jolly Cracker and Didac. Uh, Rumours that Carlton might be into Didac, I hope, are not true, Odeon. Oh, just, just move on. <laughs> I can't you see, know, I can't see Jolly getting a game anywhere happen. else either. No. And no. Uh, well, Melbourne cutting five, but who really cares? Um, who did they delist, sorry? Who did they delist? Uh, well, Melbourne. Tom, Tom Couch was an interesting one. I thought he, should, he was a bit of a good prospect for them. I'm not surprised by the rest. Yeah, James Seller, Josh Tynan, Troy Davis, Tom Gillies. And Tom Gillies didn't last very long, did he? Uh, fired a couple of coaches: uh, Lee Brown, Brian Royal, uh, hijacked uh, Brett Allison from North Melbourne. So, all happening there. Gold Coast got rid of a couple, including three from their original year. Um, I don't have those names to hand, unfortunately. Maverick Weller was one of those, wasn't yeah. he? Yep. So, uh, quite a few gone there. Number, so, number four pick, number five pick. Uh, yeah, I'm not not entirely sure, but uh, there seem to be a number of clubs are conducting mini clearouts this year. It's not just the standard three or four to listings. It's you know it's half a dozen or nothing. So uh, interesting stuff, I'm sure. Um, just uh, touching on something we touched on last week, Russell Ebert Hamble. The port stuff seems to be coming to an end in terms of the reserves, except for the AFL today. Uh, Apparently, their integrity officer saying that uh, they're not overly impressed with the under-18s arrangements. Uh, yeah, they'll just they'll just come in there. Um, I don't think it's a great drama with the under-18s because um, you know it hasn't even been set up officially, so it's all a little bit premature. Somebody ju- uh, jump in the gun, but um, oh no, it's a pretty good deal. We'll have 18 to 22 year olds in the academy, and then still have pathways for guys. Basically, the first few years it'll be. The old uh, metro and country zones will still um, put kids into some academies, but they're not allowed to... I thought they were the, the 15, 16, 17-year-olds would be able to be trained up by Darren Burgess, but that looks like not the case. But uh, the guys who've turned 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 are going to be in this academy side. They'll have access to Hinkley and Richardson and uh, Josh Carr and uh, Wren and um, Darren Burgess and all the, all the other fitness guys that are at the club. So... It's a it's a reasonable deal. It's the best of um, uh, the best of I guess we could sort of bad offer. And the clubs finally, like Germany in 1990, we're finally reunified. What are you doing, Messenger? I'm typing on a crappy old Windows keyboard. <laughs> Sounds like can, some bubble wrap. Yeah, we can like, edit like this Russell. bit out. But my my son actually spilt water on my nice Apple keyboard. And now I'm using this crappy Logitech thing. It's like REH so, yeah. chewing or whatever it was it was doing last week. Yeah, I was trying to open a pack of the lollies. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, you can mute your mic. I don't want to mute my bloody mic. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess... <laughs> I guess uh, it's time to look at the matches uh, from the weekend very briefly. And I guess... Um, we don't have anyone here from the Richmond or Collingwood sides uh, this week because, let's face it, they probably don't really want to talk about it that much. 
But um, we do have uh, Seppo here who's probably going to be overly gleeful about how his team went. So we'll get a bit of a uh, review from uh, Seppo on the Frio and Geelong game. And SJ, if you want to chip in, feel free, mate. Hey, I will. Well, it was interesting uh, just listening from the uh, podcast last week. SJ, you sort of gave a couple of hints you weren't too confident about. And, and my confidence was sky high. But it wasn't until we named Luke McFarlane to come into that side that would just... Um, Really got my confidence going right before that game and, and just going down there to be able to uh, witness that whole game in that fortress it is um, and that record that stands now that Frio have the most finals wins at Simmons Stadium, I'd uh, like to point out. That <laughs> um, no, was just a, a great game, great all-round performance and um, I even jumped on to uh, SEN, gave him a call up and gave a big pump up to the rookie uh, performances from Sandland, Spur, uh, Barlow. There's a lot of guys that we've picked later up in the draft, and there's a lot of stories that have come out in the media this week of just how uh, well our um, our whole team overall, um, where we've picked them up from, and, and how well rounded they are with the performance, which is um, good to see. Uh, SJ, you got anything you want to add to that? Yeah, um, I guess if you if you listen back to last week, I think the first thing I said was that Geelong has been playing quite well in recent weeks in terms of uh, having a lot of, I guess, uh, inside 50s and so on, but we hadn't really been making the most of those because we've generally been playing this long to the top of the square game plan without the people to capitalise on that or the players to capitalise. It turned out to play exactly how I thought. Um, Hawkins didn't play, which you know makes that game plan even... I guess, even less effective. And um, although we got spanked in the clearances and the hit-outs, we actually, I think, had more inside 50s. But I think every single time we kick along straight to the Fremantle defence. And if I was a defender, there's nothing you like more than a predictable forward line from your opponents. And um, I think Frio played it beautifully. Geelong never changed their their uh, their plan for four quarters. Um, and, yeah, I just think it was so... It was very frustrating to watch, but um, predictable considering that's how we've been playing sort of the second half of this year. It was really real, well coached by Ross Lyon with shifting Crowley on. It was interesting how they, uh, I think he matched up with um, Stokes or Christensen to begin with. Um, and yeah. after Stevie Johnson got those goals and a couple of possessions quickly, they shifted on the uh, C-clamp onto him. And yep. Johnson really did nothing for the rest of the game, which I thought was a... Uh, um, brilliant game day coaching by them because uh, it seemed like Geelong did the same thing all day. I think I only noticed, um, was it J-Pod or Taylor that switched? The, they did a, a swing around, but it didn't really have much effect. And, and the way that Geelong just pressured and, and in that last quarter, it was still a close margin, but the way they kept bombing it in, and I think they had all those inside 50s in the last quarter and they didn't kick one goal. Yeah, the ball spent a lot of time down that end, and I was actually getting quite nervous, but I was amazed at how well we could actually um, soak up all that pressure and just not let them score, And even though they did get close a couple of times. Yeah, I think um, just watching the, the Hawthorne-Sydney match from the night before, and Sydney's another team who's, you know, they're quite defensively minded and they're difficult to score against, and which is similar to Fremantle. But I just watched Hawthorne take their time, measure it around the 50, and then they try and hit up, a, a, you know, a hit up target 45 out or so. And it doesn't mean you have to do that every time, but if you do that sometimes, it means that offence is um, not quite sure what's going to happen. They have to spread out a bit more. 
But Geelong, I cannot remember one time Geelong uh, kicked to a lead during the entire match. Every single time we kicked it, we kicked it on top of a pack of about 10 players. Now, Pods Adelaide's going to take maybe one out of 10 of those marks. And as soon as the ball hits the deck, there's 15 Fremantle defenders um, to stop any Geelong small kicking a goal. So I don't know why we don't change that up. Um, I saw it coming, and uh, yeah, we want to change that this week. Otherwise, we're not going to go too much further. I must say, I know it's fashionable to, to criticise watching Fremantle, they're boring, and Ross Lyon coaches boring teams. I'd put my marker down now and say, that's the best game I've seen all season. That was riveting, the whole game from beginning to end. And uh, I think I said in the last week's podcast, Fremantle are exceptional side, and they've run into the, unfortunately, run into the best team in the comp. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, Fremantle on that could go all the way. They were they were really good. It's an interesting point that Esso just raised, though, with um, the way that Hawthorne chip it around. It will be make a, a tasty grand final with uh, Hawthorne Freo if they both make it for the two um, really polar opposite game plans and the way it might actually, you know, really attacking and, and well thought out kicking side to um, Freo's defence. It would be an interesting concept. It's it, it, would be, it would be an excellent game. Having said that, there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge yet, so I don't want to get busted thinking about that too soon. The old adage, one week at a time, eh? Oh, yeah, I'm just happy to get the four points. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, just the results from that Geelong Frio game. Uh, Fremantle, 12-15-87, defeated Geelong, 9-18-72. <clears throat> uh, the goal kickers for Geelong, Podsy Adley kicked three, Johnson kicked two, Corey Vardy, Modlop and Duncan one apiece. For Fremantle, Barlow kicks three, Pavlich two, Hill two, Walters, Ballantyne, Spurs, Sandilands and Main one apiece. Uh, for the best, Geelong, Mackie, Bartell, Corey, Guthrie and Taylor. For Fremantle, it was Barlow, Fife, Spur, Mundy, Pierce and Crowley. Uh, the crowd of 32,000, guys, was that a, did that end up being an issue at all? No, it was fine. I think it was a, um, a good mix. Um, it was interesting to see where they plonked all the uh, Frio supporters in the open... Um, undeveloped end. Um, our cheer squad was at that end, and um, the rest of the members were in the uh, pocket on the obviously broadcast side, so you could actually see them in the crowd. I don't know if it was clever placing or just worked out like that, but um, they were definitely loud. The smaller numbers that were there, I, I heard from the club we actually had, even though the AF- AFL predicted 2,000, I think we ended up with um, 3,500 or close to 4,000 actually there at the game, and um, it sounded a lot more than that, that actual number, which is great. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to the Hawthorne-Sydney game from Friday night. Um, and Messenger and both Vaughn are here. So, um, Haw- uh, Messenger, take it away. Well, it started as an arm wrestle, and and it was probably a game at even at half-time where you felt like it could end up being a, a nine-goal-to-eight type affair. But uh, Sydney have obviously got a, a large number of injuries to key players. They had a number of guys who were not up to match fitness and they went in very, very tall into this game and, and ultimately their inability to pressure the Hawthorne backs when the ball hit the ground was, was their undoing because it really allowed Hawthorne to build up from half-back and give them space to move the ball and uh, and, and ultimately... Um, the, the Swans fell away quite badly in the end. It was a very good Hawthorne performance. I think it's uh, right up there with their some of their best work for the season. And and uh, with Buddy to come back in and hopefully Cyril Rioli to come back in, 
they're looking in good shape for prelim final day. I think what got me was that there were 11 separate goal kickers without Franklin. Like... It's but it's been the story of the season too. I mean, even though I think Buddy ended up with 58 or 59 goals for the season, really, I mean, we've had obviously Roughhead won the Coleman. Bruce, who's probably fallen away a little bit, he ended up with 20 or 30 for the season. So, And Gunston has had a very good season too. So it's been all about spreading and, and being far less predictable as a, as a forward line. And they also do rotate a lot of people through and try and disrupt the way um, defences work. But uh, they controlled the uh, contested ball, even though they didn't win enough clearances. But the... The uncontested ball count, I think Hawthorne won that by about 107 to 35, just showed that they were the ones who got the space and got the run and ultimately um, uh, were able to get those good good quality forward entries. Okay, Vaughn, did you have anything you wanted to add to this? Um, it was really frustrating to watch as a Sydney supporter because, you know, for a team that prides itself on gut running to completely stop in the second half was something that I'm not very accustomed to seeing. Um, the lack of effort was extremely disappointing. Um, at the end of the day, like, you can talk about injuries as much as you want, and I guess our depth players, you know, our bottom six didn't perform, and, you know, obviously there's that finals bottom six theory going on, and, yeah, at the end of the day, I couldn't, like, you know, isolate incidents and all of that but for me personally it just came down to the class of Hawthorne like we gave it our all in the first half and you know we didn't capitalize and we were just level with them so I was pretty worried at half time because I knew we didn't have much more to give and yeah unfortunately I was right. Uh, any any of the neutral guys want to comment on this? Um, I just want to jump yeah, in. I was just wondering. <laughs> uh, you go SJ. Thank you. I was just, uh, I was a very interested observer for this match because I thought that Sydney's marking power inside 50 could really have tested Hawthorne's um, apparent or perceived weakness in the back line um, in terms of stopping more than one uh, marking forward target. And early on, it looked that way with um, uh, Tippett and Pike and these sort of players moving down and taking some great contested marks leading to Sydney goals. But that just seemed to dry up completely, uh, particularly after half time. And also the amount of Hawthorne uh, marks that they took inside 50 from a whole range of players, midfielders, uh, Brian Lake, all these players taking contested marks um, where there seemed to be no space. I just found that a really interesting, um, you know, really interesting circumstance considering I expected it to be the other way around that Hawthorne would kick their goals on the run and Sydney would kick their goals via sort of the marking players? Oh, I, I guess there's two things to say. First of all, you can't mark the ball if you can't get good supply. And and ultimately, Sydney weren't really able to give Tippett any sort of decent quality ball in. The other thing I'd say is Brian Lake played a very, very good game on Tippett. He probably mm. lowered his white colours to Jesse White in Sydney in round 23. But really, uh, he did a very, very good job on Tippett. Um, White, well, he he had a bit of a stinker to be perfectly honest. I mean, he's a he's a versatile guy, but um, he paid Luke Hodge no mind whatsoever, and Hodge basically did what he liked in the back line. But really, I mean, these guys are only as good as the supply they get, and and ultimately uh, it became starvation corner for for Tippett uh, particularly. At one stage, we were playing Tippett in Hawthorne's forward line, like that. 
made no sense to me whatsoever. That just pretty much said we had conceded the game. And uh, you were saying earlier how Geelong uh, do, you know, those long bombs. And um, I've, I've noticed with the inclusion of Tippett that we seem to do that a lot, lot more. So um, I think also the same as Geelong, our predictability uh, going straight to Tippett has made it easier to just drop back and um, peel off him. So, yeah. Von, do you think you have um, had uh, Rowan and Jeddah a bit underdone or cooked? Do you reckon they're going to come back as much or should have um, Jeddah even played? Or do you think Rowan's going to get better with another run? Or is he now just lacking fitness because of lack of footy this year? Um, well, if you actually, like, I had a look at our reserves players and no names really kind of jump out at me, that would be a better replacement than Rowan because, I mean, the only reason we have Rowan and Jeddah in is just, you know, straight up for their speed kind of thing. And Longmire was kind of saying how, like, Jeddah and Rowan will definitely play against Colton. Um, but I don't what think... What you do because you're forced to play them or you just need them for their leg speed even though it doesn't seem apparent they've got it? Um, I think we're going to play them because... Yeah, if we don't, we just don't really have any outside run. Like, that's pretty much what it comes down to. So, um, as for their match fitness, Rowan has played, I think, like two or three games now, and he's got about three disposals each game, which is really disappointing. But um, he's been doing a lot off the ball, and he's been providing a lot of forward pressure. And we've really lacked that this year. The only other player that completely jumps to my mind straight away is uh, Ben McGlynn. Um, so it's good to have Rowan back for that pressure he provides when he doesn't have the ball. And as for Jeddah, well, you know, you can't really not play him because he's that X factor, you know, just in the off chance he has a great game, I guess. You just have to play him. <laughs> Vaughn, I, I wasn't sitting that far from the Sydney interchange bench on Friday night and Gary Rowan looked to me to be limping at the end of that game. He, I think he came off in the last 10 minutes and he stayed off and he didn't look to be walking very cleanly at all. But they say he's going to play. Um, I don't actually remember that because I, I wasn't at the game. I haven't heard anything about Rowan and I watched the like injury report yeah. um, and they did not say anything about Rowan and I think Longmire even kind of praised his defensive efforts. So I think his spot is safe for next week. Yeah. Uh, Jeddah, I mean, I think Jeddah just needs time and, and really I think he played less than an hour of football leading into that game. He played a quarter and a half. I mean, he, he should be better for the run, but... But ultimately, he's coming from a long way back. Um, the guy, Von, I'd be interested to hear your views on whether Jesse White keeps his place in the team. My, my view would be that he, sh he should go, that you're way too tall as you are. Well, I actually was interested when you were um, uh, expressing your views in that you thought he had a bad game. I actually thought he was serviceable. I thought he had a better game than Mumford. Um, not as... A rockman, but what he does around the ground, he when the game was still there to be won in the first half, he attempted to run and uh, tackle and actually look like an AFL footballer, not a spud. Um, and reading an article this week, uh, it was insinuated that he would be keeping his spot, and 
I don't think it's a bit frustrating for me personally because I don't think that tall forward line is going to work against Fremantle, but I think it's going to work against Colton. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do because, yeah, uh, yeah I... that's a really tall forward line. Extremely. All right. Um, just the results from this game. Uh, obviously, Hawthorne won this one by 54 points. Uh, Gunston kicked three, Hale kicked two, Roughhead kicked two, Hills, Spanger, Lake, Bailey, Shields, Puapolo, Anderson and Bruce kicked one apiece. For the Swans, Tippett kicked two, Rowan, Pike, Jeddah, O'Keefe and White one apiece. For Hawthorne, the best, Hodge, Mitchell, Sewell, Burgoyne, Guerra, Lake, Birchall and Gunston. For the Swans, Jack, Kennedy, Pike, Bird, Parker and Mitchell. When the best this crowd was 59,000. A little bit low, perhaps, for a, um, for a final gossip. Um, usually, I think the last two or three Sydney Hawthorne games played at the MCG, we're usually getting in the 60s. high 40s, low 50s. I thought the last... So 59's probably not bad for a final. I think the, final, um, the last final was 65,000. That wasn't a grand final. That was the the, the, the semi-final. Might have been. Mm. Yeah, that'd be right, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's slightly under, but I, I thought there was about 60. I was about right. Yeah. All right, Russell Ebert Handball, it's your time to shine and uh, take us into the Collingwood Port game from Saturday night. <clears throat> well, uh, surprisingly, I didn't feel nervous. I felt very confident before the game. I know it was all rushed, rushed getting there. Um, and after watching, listening to a bit of the Frio game on the plane flight over, I thought, oh, well, if they can do it, we can, we can do it. But um, there were some tense moments there. Collingwood threw the kitchen sink at our young fellas in the third quarter and in the last quarter in the first 10, 15 minutes. And um, well, we looked shaky, but um, we held on and then soaked up the pressure. And um, that renowned fitness that we've got uh, seemed to get us through. The, the belief that we've uh, seemed to instill or been instilled into the guys um, uh, went through. Um, Ollie Wines, the bulldozer, was like, <coughs> just uh, he didn't care. He was that he was an 18-year-old in front of 50,000 people. Um, uh, young uh, Aaron Young, who's about 20, came on and uh, got a few possessions in the third quarter, but just had a great last quarter and got 10 or 11 disposals and um, played an important part. And old man Tommy Logan came from nowhere, and um, he was he was probably BOG at halftime and maybe pushing Dane Swan. For BOG at three quarter time, but um, basically we kept control of their midfield. Uh, Beams had a good game, but Pendlebury didn't do much for two and a half quarters, maybe even three quarters. Um, and all their other young sort of running guys, Harry O'Brien off the half back line, sort of we stopped him. And, and I don't know whether Collingwood were a complacent. I don't know whether Heath Shaw's brain snap was uh, reflective of their mindset, but. Um, yeah, very, very, very happy. All right. Um, we we don't have a Collingwood person on tonight, um, but uh, did any of you guys watch this game? Yeah, I watched it, and um, I, I, Collingwood's my second team. Right here. <laughs> so I was pretty devastated with the result. So you right. um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Collingwood-Carlton thing, Vaughn. Don't worry about it. Carry on, Ron. <laughs> He's rude to everybody. <laughs> um, 
shut up. I've got nothing to add. I thought Port played an amazing game. I thought like their willingness to run and take the game on was just, yeah, really inspirational. I think that there's nothing. There's been nothing more overrated than Collingwood's form line going into the finals. They've actually been a very, very ordinary team for the last half of the season, and. Uh, I actually tipped. I do believe I might have tipped this result. I was going to say week. you did tip the upset on this. I did actually tip the upset, and uh, Port. I, I'm just so thrilled for Port because they were dreadful football team last year. And I was listening to Ken Hinckley um, interview on the way home from work tonight, and um, the man of the way they turned that club around is something to behold. But It, um, it is absolutely the story of the year, that, in, oh, my, in my opinion. Most certainly is, most certainly. And Tom Logan, there's something he's saying, Russell Ebert, um, something else saying that um, Tom Logan's had six consecutive one-year contracts. Yeah, he's amazing because he's been on the fringe. What, what usually happens is um, when it's March and April and obviously February and it's fast, he just can't keep up. But then as the winter comes and the grounds get a bit heavier and, you know, everybody's um, getting picking up a few niggles, he's in the, in the sand for sort of picking up 20, 25, 30 possessions. And he sort of seems to make the side around round 8, 9, 10. And then he just doesn't get dropped. Or if he gets dropped, he gets dropped for one game because maybe of match-up reasons. So it, it's, all, it's virtually been a carbon copy five, six years in a row. I, think, I, I know Collingwood... Sorry, getting back to Collingwood here. Um, they're... Buckley blamed uh, kicking as been a major part of the reason. Uh, apparently 27 kicks were marked by uh, Port players, which is, uh, according to Buckley, something of a record. Were they just that poor? Yeah. Uh, well, Port, Port made a lot of fumbles and there was a lot of interception. Both sides, um, the opposition stole their balls, so, so to speak, in the first half. I think Port were cleaner in the second half than Collingwood. But, you know, Dane, Dane Swan, I don't know why he didn't play in the midfield, but, God, every time he got close to the ball, he seemed to do something in the forward line for Collingwood. Yeah. Um, Brad <clears throat> Ebert was immense. Oh, yeah. He, he was on fire early. He was, he was, he was awesome. He was... Um, uh, you, you've got a few, but, you know, Kane Corns as well. He was right up there in the stats. And... Uh, and uh, Lobie, uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely Lobie's smash Grundy, and um, and I really liked seeing how Wingard was able to find space, especially for that last that goal in the last quarter. Um, he, he he basically had a tent and uh, he started the signal fire and everything, and nobody still went near him. It was uh, pretty funny to see, and I just love the way Montfrey's got into Shaw's head uh, on a couple of occasions. So. But it doesn't take much these days the way that Shaw's going. Well, there's nothing else in there, so it's easy it's to get Mostly, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on good authority that Shaw got in Port's best and players by the coaches. <laughs> 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 All right, the results from this. Collingwood obviously lost to Port Adelaide here by 14 points. Uh, the goals for Collingwood, Swan kick three, Cloak kick two, Keefe, McCaffer, Williams and Beams one apiece for Port Adelaide. Wingard kick three, Schultz kick three, Bolt kick two, Wines two, Westhoff and Monfries one apiece. Um, I don't like Monfries, by the way. I thought Shaw's best work was throwing a footy at him, but anyway. Um, Collingwood's best, Swan, Beams, McCaffer and Sidebottom. Port Adelaide's best, Logan, Ebert, Corns, Jonas, Lobb and Carlisle. Uh, 51,000 watched this game at the MCG. 
um, prompting uh, many a call from, obviously, the Frio side of things that this game could have been played at Etihad and the Frio game could have been played at the MCG. Seppo? Oh, play us anywhere. I didn't mind going down there. It's um, <clears throat> it's an interesting thing. They've, uh, we were just saying, um, we heard it somewhere today, they're talking about, you know, Collingwood fans might have, said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll go through to next week and save the money on going to this game and just watching it at home. So it'd be interesting to see if it was um, um, a different final, what type of a crowd it would attract. And I suppose it might be the same case for the Hawthorne-Sydney um, lower attendance if they just sort of banked on knowing they'd get a home game next week or the week after. Mm. All righty, ODN. One, one, one more thing, mate. Yes, yes mate. That is surely Mick Max- Maxwell's last game as Collingwood captain, uh, which in turn means that we'll see less of him on our TV screens uh, in public promotion. So, uh, win-win. Possibly more of him on Channel 7, though, unfortunately. So. I don't know which commentator, whether it was a TV commentator, but somebody had a go at him. It might have been one of the radio guys said, Maxwell has to actually play on an opponent. It was a really interesting call because I guess he's gotten away with it for four or five years. I know I heard Carolyn Wilson say that. Uh, oddly enough, on the weekend where she basically said he doesn't play on anyone. He's the third man up, and that's got to kind of end. Um, anyway, ODN, uh, your turn to uh, give us your rundown on the weekend. I'll note that uh, your curse seems to have evaporated. There was no curse. No, we all heard the curse. Stop denying the curse. Um, so, how did, how did you see the game on the weekend? Um... <laughs> it was a game of two halves, obviously. Um, probably, probably the most telling uh, move of the game, uh, in hindsight, uh, came uh, prior to the game starting when uh, Brock McLean ruled himself out with his last kick of the of, of the warm up, and uh, Nick Digan came in in his place, and um, and probably uh, kicked four goals and was one of the real differences uh, on the day. Um, Richmond uh, got away to a 26-point halftime lead. 30, I think it was 32 points um, uh, after four minutes of the third quarter. Um, and they dominated in just about every stat. And even though they did they did get several goals through 50-metre penalties and uh, the umpiring generally, uh, most neutrals would agree, um, was in their favour. Some of the 50-metre penalties were very soft and if they're going to play those consistently, we'd see a mountain of them in the game. Um <clears throat> But um, they probably, just on the run of play, probably deserved to have that sort of a lead. But um, after halftime, um, Chris Judd, basically um, Judd, Murphy and Gibbs, but Judd really started it off on one leg and um, the clearances he was winning. It was sort of um, the finals experience that I talked about the previous week seemed to really come really come to the fore and the young Tiger midfielders just, just, just stopped. Um Jamison kept Rewald goalless, and uh, surprisingly, Rewald was being used as a well as a foil, really, for for Vickery and Edwards to try and do the damage. And I don't know why you wouldn't use your your best forward to actually try and kick goals, but they didn't. Um, Conquer out really helped Carlton, um, stopped a lot of the Richmond run. Um, Warnock and Cruiser in the ruck. Um, uh, in tandem, um, had the better of um, Merrick and, and Vickery. We won the t- we had 52-37, but it was 20-10 to 10 in taps to advantage, and that's a massive advantage. And and 
Hardwick uh, said after the game that um, Richmond were they were ranked number one at preventing scores from stoppages in the AFL, um, and they'd only given up 30 goals all year from stoppages, and Carlton kicked 11 from stoppages in that one game. So that's that's very telling. So um, I'm not sure what else to say. That um, Bats was too much of a handful for Morris. Wait. Kick straight, um, and this is something we don't do. We overall we kick very straight, and um, that's been our bit of a downfall for a little while. And um, yeah, look, we just we, we we stuck to our boundary line plan. We, whereas normally when we get behind, we just start taking them on down the middle, and it's a bit of a high risk, high reward sort of situation. But we stuck to the boundary line plan, and we actually we actually were able to move the ball quickly enough along the boundary. So we took less risks, got the stoppages we needed when the um, when the play did get halted, but we weren't getting we weren't getting burnt going the other way. Um, Richmond just gave us far too much space, and um, I don't know. I think we we're in we we're probably in their head a little bit. All right, guys. Uh, there are no Tigers people on tonight, obviously. But uh, did any of you neutral people watch this at all? Oh, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, Odian. How was it actually feeling um, looking at all those players up until half time? Because I sat down as a neutral, and um, when I got to just before half time, I was ready to jump onto Twitter and bag out all these Carlton players saying Waits finished, you know, Judd, his shoulders are shot, he's cooked, Robinson's just a meathead, and Warnock's a hack in the ruck. And I sort of held off going, oh, I'll see where this plays out. And I was just amazed at how much, even Digan, I was ready to bag him because he's a. Uh, but it was just amazing their second half, how they all lifted and really contributed, and just it's almost a tale of two halves that whole whole game. Yeah, I don't think anybody was playing particularly badly in the first half. Uh, it was just Richmond were they were up and about, and we just seemed like we did against Port. We just seemed to absorb that early pressure, do enough to keep ourselves in the contest. Remember, three out of our last four games, we've been behind by more than. Um, uh, by more than five goals in those during those games, so twice versus Richmond and and the game last week against Port, we've come back from when we looked like we were just gone, um, and we've just found something while everybody else is jogging up and down on the spot. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to work uh, deeper into the finals, um, but it's certainly worked for us in, until now. Um, they just uh, yeah, they, it's. They're playing okay, but they're playing with a more defensive mindset. And it's just like, give us give us your best shot, and then suddenly we just counter-punch and we're gone. And, and you can see how fast we score. Um, and, and once you've got, um, you know, once in that second half, you'll find that the likes of Betts and Garlett and Yaron and stuff are running above the ground. And, and, um, and yeah, we're just, we're just too quick. Our ball movement's too quick. And... We just find another gear, so I, I don't know where it's come from. I don't know where it's been all year, um, but yeah, may it continue. What's um, everyone else's view? A... Did you, do you um, everyone else think that this game, or did Carlton steal the win? Oh, I think Richmond probably um, don't run, don't do enough defensively in the midfield, and I, I think Carlton won it. I don't think there's any question that. You know, I think they won it. They they went and took it. They took all their chances. They moved the ball well. Um, yeah, I don't think this is a matter of uh, Richmond handing it to them. Sorry, Vaughn, you're trying to say something? Yeah, I was going to ask, because I was only like flicking through the game. Um, 
Do you guys think, because I know Conker went off with that injury early and they activated their sub, do you guys think that it was more a uh, physical or a mental thing for Richmond? Because I'm thinking it's kind of like half-half. It, it is definitely half-half. Um, Carlton have got the wood over Richmond, something chronic. It's 11 out of the last 12. It's 12 out of the last 13 games Carlton have won. Um, Richmond have beaten us once since like 2008, so... It's uh, you might say we're their bogey team, and they were just unfortunate to come up against us in the in the in this final. I thought we were always a chance, and honestly, once uh, once uh, we kicked the first uh, the second goal of the third quarter, you, I, I could you could feel it. You could feel that we were coming, and I was watching the main boards game day thread on this, and it was almost universal. You could feel the game had turned. It it wasn't a rotations thing. Um... Yes, Conker was off, but that's because of the sub sub being activated. You still got three versus three on the bench. Uh, our sub came on uh, almost halfway through the last quarter. That was Menzel, and he didn't do anything. Um, so we really didn't have the advantage there. And we also had uh, Cruiser and Robinson go off and be you know a little bit nobbled on the day. Uh, Cruiser's still you know, under a bit of a cloud uh, because of that. So I don't I don't think we I don't think Conker's injury. Um, cause them to be uh, have less fitness towards the end of the game, but it definitely hurt their run. All right. I, I, I just think that they, um, one, they're not fit enough, two, they're not defensive enough, and three, they made some dumb errors. One thing, I, I don't know whether it's the turning point is the right thing to say, but definitely what helped start Carlton's run was a boundary throw-in on the southern, the AFL members' side, and both Tuck... And Ivan Maric went for the ruck, and Tux hit it straight down to his opponent. Carlton go down the wing and score a goal. And I just shook my head. I thought, they're not going to win this, Richmond. Yeah, that was about halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. Where, Carlton uh, had a bit of had picked up a bit of momentum. I just thought, you just don't do dumb things like that in the final. Expect to win. I said, maybe I'm just blowing it out of proportion. But for me, that was almost like when I thought said to myself, they're not going to win. Yeah, Tuck and Marriott hit it straight into the hands of Gibbs who gave it to Murphy and it ended up going forward. But um, I think my favourite comment from the weekend of it was Demetrio on Monday night's Talking Footy where he said that uh, he was sitting next to uh, Mike Fitzpatrick who was a former Carlton Premiership player. And when the 350 metre penalties were paid against Carlton early on, he uh, evidently forgot about the uh, independence of the commission momentarily. <laughs> so, uh, Dimitro's exact words he forgot about the independence of the commission so, um, well there were a lot of people started off, on the boards uh, in the match day three there was a lot of people started off going against Carlton and, and, and sort of going for the Richmond fairy tale and because of, because of the way the umpiring is going and those 50 metre penalties some did a complete about face and, and it was a lot of neutrals that were up in arms calling it uh, calling corruption and uh, I think it was it was umpire Nichols, wasn't it? That was doing most of the damage. But well, the worst um, one, the one I heard was the commentary of the umpire. I think I can't remember if it was Vickery that had the ball, and a Carlton player. I think yeah, I can't remember if it was Jamison. Someone grabbed or was Wait, and he grabbed yeah. him, and he just dropped the ball. And he goes, "Oh, he attempted to kick it," and there was yep. no holding, holding the ball or illegal disposal. That I was, just thought it was so stupid that he didn't call him up on it. It was uh, yeah. it was actually Rats. one of two tackles Wait laid in a row, and he didn't. He should have been paid for both of them probably. But, um, and I mean that in all seriousness, not, as a, not just because I'm a Carlton supporter, but uh, he, he laid two very good tackles and both of them were probably holding the ball. But, uh, yeah, the second one the umpire rode off was attempting, so, you know. 
you win some, you lose some. Carlton just couldn't get a 50-metre penalty all game, which was slightly annoying. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the results for this game. Uh, Carlton obviously defeated Richmond by 20 points. Uh, 18-8, 116 to 14-12, 96. The most impressive part of that for us was the 18-8, given that we've kicked scores like, I don't know, 14-22 and stuff in recent weeks. Um... For Carlton, the goal kickers, Wake kick four, Digan kick four, Betts kick three, Garlett two, Robinson two, Warnock, Scotland and Judd one apiece. For Richmond, Vickery and Cochin and Edwards and Marich kick two apiece. Rewalt, Grimes, Newman, Martin, Tuck and Ellis one apiece. The best for Carlton, Judd, Murphy, Kerno, Digan, Betts, Waite and Gibbs. And for Richmond, Deledio, Cochin, Martin, Rance and Newman. 94,690 watched this game at the MCG is the highest final crowd since 1972. So, yeah. Also mm. interesting to note that Demetrio said uh, on SEN on Monday that uh, the AFL will probably lose money on its budget as a result of uh, uh, Collingwood and Richmond no longer being part of the final series. Oh, shit. So, uh, not lose money overall, <clears throat> just make a little bit less than they'd budgeted for as a result. I'm sure they're not Gold Coast and uh, GWS to make the finals. What's going to happen to their budgets then? Mm. <laughs> anyway, guys, and, uh, we're going. And, and uh, the, the, is, is Big Andy missing out on some of his uh, fat bonus? I don't think he will. Like. Crowds are up, TV ratings are up, memberships are up. Um, on every stat relative this year, we are well and truly above where we were last year. Anyway, we're going to have a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're talk- going to talk about the uh, Geelong. And Port. Port final, thank you. Momentarily looking away from us. The Geelong and Port final, we're going to talk about that after the break. He's very nice to me. He works in a cage in a hotel. Geelong game, uh, which will be played at the S, uh, the MCG rather, 
on Friday night. And uh, SJ and Russell Ebert Hamble are going to take us through what we can expect uh, from that game. SJ, take it away. Thank you. Um, I guess I'll just speak from a, a Geelong point of view in terms of what I think we need to change this week. Um, and I guess for the next p- potential two weeks, if we're going to do anything this this September. Um, and I think it comes down to three things. Firstly, the fact we don't have a, a proper first ruckman is really starting to hurt us. Um, I'm not sure if any of you saw the stats last weekend, but I think we had something like 10 to 50 hit outs um, and 20 to 40 clearances in the order of those numbers. And that's okay because we get a lot of the footy out of the back line, but it just means that um, when we do go forward, it isn't from that sort of uh, neutral stoppage um, out of the middle area where your forward line's quite open. It's always when uh, Fremantle uh, last week or our opponent has time to get back. So um, not only do we uh, not only are we missing a first ruck, um, which means we get belted out of the centre, but also when we do go forward and we do need a marking target, we don't have one because our best marking targets that are broken back. Um, so it's all sort of uh, falling down a little bit, although Hawkins looks like he may play this week, but at the moment he's got a turning circle worse than the Queen Mary too, so I'm not going to rely on him too much uh, to kick a score. Um, the problem is Port Adelaide's actually played well against us twice this year. Um, I think in both matches the Cats had a five or six goal lead at quarter time, but after that Port were pretty good. And if you remember at about a month ago at Simmons Stadium. Um, they only lost by three or four goals after being down by maybe eight or nine at some stage during the match. And Angus Monfries kicked seven goals that day. Now, the third problem I think we have is the fact that our back line is too tall and or too slow. And um, although Scarlet's left us this year, we've added Bartell and Rivers um, playing sort of as these third or fourth defenders um, in the back line. Now, they're both good players, but I don't think the structure's right. Um, and I think that really it means, along with Mackey, Lonigan, and Taylor, we've, we've almost had five defenders who are playing tall. And I think that's way too many. Um, so when the ball eventually does leave our forward line after it's been trapped in there for five minutes, it goes down the other end and some little speedster runs onto it and kicks a goal. Um, so personally, I would take Bartel out of there put him in the midfield or forward as a medium forward um, and make a few other calls. I think Corey Enright's going to miss with a, with a medial strain in his knee. I expect Josh Hunt to come in. Uh, Josh Walker will probably drop out again for either Hawkins um, or maybe Trent West. And I think West may come in anyway, even for Blitzarves, because we really need someone to win a hit out, um, which we can't seem to do at the moment. I think Loby play played very well for Port in both the games um, earlier this year. So that's where I think the Cats have to improve. Um, but just watching Port from the second half of last week, if they uh, if they use their, their run and dash and uh, speed against us and we don't sort of counteract those problems, I think we could be in a little bit of strife. Otherwise, I think uh, hopefully our experience um, comes to the fore and we play a bit more sensibly and uh, we look to next week. What do you, what have you got, uh, Russ? Um, my fear is the four fast little guys of uh, well, they're not necessarily little, but they're also the, the smaller guys. So that's Varco, Motlop, Chris Christensen, and Stokes. And I think we can maybe sit on one or two of them, but we can't sit on all four of them. And um, 
If we turn the ball over like we did in the first half and those guys get their hands on the ball, they, they will cut us up as well as obviously the old, the older sort of more wiser heads like Bartell and Corey Enright and Mackie running off the, um, the half-back line. So we're going to have to somehow uh, play really tight on them and I don't think we've got the pace. So guys are going to have to play out of their skins to keep at least two of those four quiet and the other two that do okay don't absolutely slaughter us like Motlock did um, down at Cadinia Park. Uh, was it round 16, round 15, something like that? No, round 20, 21. Um, I think I think our midfield is is uh, going to be important. Important, obviously, midfield most weeks are important, but we can get Boke can get more of the ball compared to Saturday night. Hartlett, Corns uh, does his usual bit. Um, we probably will have to take out young Sam Colquhoun um, and play Paul Stewart, who hurt, fractured his wrist about four or five weeks ago. And Stewart is a bit of a swing man. He's got a good good pace and he can play half back on one of those little guys I mentioned. He can play through the midfield. He can play half forward. I personally would bring in Homsch because um, to help out. Carl Walsh, Carl, I did a good job on Cloak. I think the delivery by Geelong will be better and smarter. And I'd prefer to have a third tall, and that would free up Tom Jonas, who um, uh, there's a little bit of Glen Archer about Tom Jonas, and I reckon if he was given the job to so, say, you know, you've got to keep Stevie J quiet, I think he's the only one in our side who could do a Ryan Crowley, because um, whilst I didn't see it, I heard it on the on the plane, it sounded like uh, Steve Johnson just about won the game in the, off his own boot in the first quarter, and if Crowley didn't stop him. Uh, Geelong would have had a win. So, what are we going to do? Shut down their uh, their sort of key playmakers. Don't let them have too much of the ball. Don't turn the ball over because Geelong are the best side at uh, hurting it, uh, or scoring off turnovers. And we just have to play, um, I guess, fearless footy and that spread and run and run and run, like we have uh, the last uh, well. We did in the first half against Carlton and obviously last week against uh, Collingwood. I'm hopeful, but if we're three goals, if Porter three goals behind Geelong at half-time and three-quarter time, I, I think we're a big chance. But we, we can't do like we did uh, at both games uh, this year, give them six or seven goal uh, lead at, at quarter time. The, the game will be over. We won't be able to come back from that. All right. Uh, this is the 27th game between the two sides. Uh, Geelong uh, have won 17 to eight with one game drawn. Um, Geelong have lost both its past two finals to uh, Fremantle. Cats haven't lost three consecutive finals since uh, the period between 1997 and 2004. Apparently, uh, Port having won its first finals victory since the 2007 preliminary final. Um, any neutral guys want to have a have a crack at this? Just uh, reading on the AFL website where they're talking about a, a plan B for Geelong. Um, obviously, um, they're deficient in the ruck, um, but there's talk. There was talk of uh, Vardy potentially going forward and basically conceding the ruck and putting Podsy Adley in the ruck, um, basically because Vardy's very good at, uh, at ground level and um, and um, you know he's 200 centimeters, but. Uh, it seemed a little bit outlandish when I first uh, when I first read it, but um, 
but I don't, obviously they think that um, that's all, that's all depending on where, on how Hawkins is travelling and whether he does come up and play. But um, it just it just seems a bit weird seeing uh, the potential of Posy Adley in the ruck. There's a huge amount of uh, finals experience advantage over Port Adelaide on the Cats side as well. Uh, players in the Cats list have played 274 games in finals, with Bartell playing 22 on his own. Joel Corey's played 21. Uh, the players on Port Adelaide's list have uh, an entire tally of 64 games. It counted for nothing last week when Port beat Collingwood with a, a similar ratio of uh, finals experience. Doesn't always matter. Yeah. Um, can, can, can I just ask a question, maybe of SJ or anybody else? So, so will, do you reckon they'll play two ruck? Do, will they go Vardy and West or Vardy and uh, Blick Cavs? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely two rucks. I mean. Possibly even three, if you want to count Vardy as a forward and a ruck, and we drop Walker and play Vardy as a forward. But um, we've been, we've played two rucks all year long. The problem is they're just two second rucks. So I mean, last week our tallest bloke on the field would have been 198 centimeters or something, and Sandilands is standing there at 211. Um, we we just don't have a primary ruckman, um, and. That's really been a pain for us all season, apart from that six games when Dawson Simpson was fit. So I think West, although he's a bit undersized, is the best ruckman we have. He, he won't win most of the hitouts, but he'll probably stop any dominance that Loby might have. Um, then it's a matter of, well, does Hawkins come back in or um, does Blitzards drop out as well? But yeah, definitely two rucks, possibly three if, if one of them is also a forward. Okay. Um, we're going to move on, but uh, if Geelong win this game, it will uh, reach its sixth preliminary final in seven seasons. If Port win, uh, they'll become the only team from the bottom half of the eight to make the second week of the finals since Collingwood in 2007. Um, unless Carlton win as well, in which case both sides will. And speaking of that, we're going to move on to the second game for the weekend, and it's the game between Sydney and Carlton, which will take place on Saturday night from ANZ Stadium. Um... And we've got Vaughn and we've got ODN here to do this. So um, a big thanks to uh, the other guys. And I think SJ is going to be leaving us. But in the meantime, uh, Vaughn, take it away since you're ready and prepared. <laughs> um, so when I was actually just reading articles throughout the week about this game, um, what really stood out to me was Longmire said that he wanted to he wasn't willing to uh, drop any of our tours, even though he subbed out Mumford against Hawthorne. So with Goods back and LRT back, we are going to have a forward line of, well, not a forward line, but a team of uh, White, Pike, Mumford, LRT, Tippett, Goods. That's a, that's a that tall is... forward line. Sorry? That's a tall forward line. That's a. Well, they're not all going to be in the forward line, obviously, but it, it's really tall. I think LRT will play back, um, but it's a really tall forward line, and that is really scary as well. Because also um, we're bringing in LRT, and we're most likely going to bring in Goods, and you've also got Jeddah who just came back from the week before. So for me, I guess how I would sum up this game would kind of be like uh, risk and reward. I guess it's. I think we're going to take a gamble and play our strongest 22, regardless of whether or not they're match fit and whether or not that works out for us. We'll, we'll, um, we'll find out. From a Sydney perspective, last time we met, we won the contested possession, but I personally think that 
our midfield has dropped off. Um, and I think that Ryan O'Keefe is like he's been playing a very good tagging role this year for us, and I think that he's going to go to Judd. And that's probably the key matchup because I still remember 2010 when Judd nearly won the elimination final just off his own boot. Mm. So, um, yeah, Ryan O'Keefe to Judd for me, or maybe Kieran Jack head to head. I'm not, yeah, I have to see how those two pan out. That will be really interesting. Um, yeah, it'll just be really, really interesting to see how like how we gel as a team because we'll, we'll be bringing in so many people. And uh, Hanabry was saying today how he doesn't think that like we're tired. He doesn't think we're fatigued. I don't really agree with that from an outsider's perspective. Um, so hopefully we have the legs to run it out. I'm really worried about Carlton's small forwards. Um, I don't think we really have the defence to um, run with them. So that really, really worries me. So I really hope that our midfield can uh, be supportive and run back hard enough. Um, don't really have too much more to add, except that maybe my outs would be uh, Bolton and Everett, and my ins would be LRT Goods and... Also, congratulations to Malcheski on his 150th and Hanabry on his 100th. And I think it's Simpsons 200th as well. Mm. So, yeah. Just before we get to ODN, how fit is Goods going to be since he hasn't played since round 14? Um, well, he got through the main like training session today and I know he's been running for like a month or something. Um, so I think he's going to be fit. Oh, you don't really ever know with someone like Goods who has like, I don't know, 100,000 seasons of AFL experience under him. So um, I think he'll be okay. I think we might sub him out. Mm-hmm. All right, ODN. Yeah, um, six days break versus eight. So um, And uh, playing, in, playing in Sydney against the reigning premiers. So I'm under no pretense that this is going to be... Uh, any walk in the park for Cullen. So you're cursing um, us already. Sorry, no, no, I'm not. Stand, stay tuned. Last five games, 3-2 to Sydney, but only one point separating the two teams over those games. So we do have some close contests. Uh, we are we, we haven't won any games at ANZ Stadium. I think it's 3-0 to Sydney. But we travel very well. We've won four of our five interstate trips this year. And our only loss was against Sydney um, in woeful conditions uh, I'm not going to take anything at all out of that game uh, it was just uh, whoever was able to keep their head above water the longest um, now Sydney are you know they are battle hardened they are experienced and they won't give us the latitude that Richmond gave us but they're also not likely to street us and you know we've shown we can come quickly with some momentum so um, that's what I'm hoping on um, Jamison is ranked number one in the AFL in one-on-one contests as a defender um, due to his spoiling ability and his um, closing speed. Um, he does give away nine centimetres, six kilos to, to Tippett. Um, so, and Tippett did get hold of him a little bit in the, uh, in the first half of that, uh, of that swimming carnival. Um, so that's going to be a vital matchup for us. Um, we, we can't possibly compete with all the hype that Swans have on their side. And we have gone in a couple of talls down on our opponents on many occasions over the last couple of years. And we do rely on 
getting up, spoiling, and running it away, and um, and, and and hurting hurting tall teams that way. So it, it's very much going to be uh, a game of two different two two different types of matchups um, of two different types of teams as far as pacey versus um, tall. So I, I just can't imagine that Swans are going to go in that tall. So it'll be interesting to see who who comes out, if anybody. Um, Carlton also have a bit of a concern over Cruiser. Uh, he injured, a, injured his foot uh, against Richmond and um, he will be tested late. Um, whether we bring in Casbolt, uh, I'm not confident Casbolt being a second ruck against Mumford and Pike, but whether we bring him back or apparently Sean Hampson is fit again, ready to go, but he hasn't played um, for months. So... That will be uh, that'd be a bit of a risk as well. Um, look, Gibbs was awesome in the uh, in the midfield against Richmond, um, but he also has played been played on Goods a few times. If Goods plays forward, Gibbs won't be hopefully won't be thrown back into the back line. We should just take the odds to it and keep him in the midfield. Um, really, again, it comes it, it, it's all dependent on how much Sydney's how many tolls he's going to play because do we have to have McInnes and Henderson back to help out Jamison, which only leads weight as our tall forward up, up there and, uh, and Cruiser potentially. Um, it's going to be really important. The battle of the beards, how much mopping up and drive Simpson and Melcheski can provide off their half respective half forward flanks. I expect Richards will go to weight uh, and Grundy will play on Cruiser or Casbolt, whoever comes up in, whoever plays. Um, Although I wouldn't mind seeing Cruiser as a bit of a uh, playing a bit of a ruck rover role, where he's floating between the fifty arcs and creating a creating a mismatch, going back inside our forward fifty without having a key defender on him. So maybe getting one of the uh, Swans rucks to chase him around. Um, I agree with Vaughn in that Betts, Garlett, and Yaron hold the key. Um, Swans really don't have anybody with that sort of uh, those sort of attributes. But they can, they do go missing when things get really physical. Um, stood up a little bit more against Richmond, but I don't think Richmond are that physical. So uh, I think we're going to have to get the ball to ground a lot and manufacture our goals rather than, you know, Sydney are, are pretty good at, uh, at reading the play and closing down space. So um, it, it's absolutely pivotal what those three guys can do. Um, Kerno probably on Kennedy. Uh, but if um, Kennedy's a bit more of a bigger body, so you know uh, potentially Robinson can be given that task if it isn't working. Uh, Brock McLean, we've told, is sure to come back this week, and I don't know who's going to come out for him. Um, Diagon's kind of the obvious one as the late in last week, but I'm really uh, I think we need his physicality, and he deserves another game. So it might it might be uh, it might be Bell. Um, because uh, it's sort of a bit of a like-for-like like as, as in terms of speed. And um, yeah. Carlton uh, have a bit of flexibility with Henderson, Waite, Walker and Diving can play either end um, at the drop of a hat. So we do have some we do have um, some options there if it's not going right for us. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Swans being fatigued, um, running out of, they certainly, you know, ran out of legs 
or I don't know if it was legs or intensity against Hawthorne, but they they were lacking in that second half, whereas we come on strong in the second half. So we just need to hold them early, um, and that'll be our best chance of uh, uh, overrunning them late. Oh, how are the neutral guys seen this? Uh, well, I'm quite interested to see how tall um, Sydney actually go in because it, I've just checked the weather forecast and it looks like it's going to rain like it does every Saturday or Sunday night in Sydney. It's, I think, 20, 23, 24 in showers. So to go in with, um, like Von mentioned, with you know Tipper, LRT, Goods, it's just crazy how tall they'll go in and, and how much of a benefit Carlton will actually get out if they go in short and um, hopefully capitalise it. It'll be really interesting, and I hope whatever the game is that they um, bash the bejesus out of each other and the finalists will come through limping across to Perth. I do want to add that when I read the article where um, Longmire said that he doesn't plan on dropping any of the tours, well, you know, words to that effect, that was earlier in the week without seeing the forecast. I agree. I think it is too tall. Um if if the like forecast really is going to be rain, I think White would be dropped because he's the weakest out of all of those. Or we might even just give Goods another week um, if he's not fit. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that in there. Well, will Carlton move, move Yaron back down the half-back then to try and take advantage? If, if, if Carlton are going to have to do a lot of spoiling to try and um, stop the guys. I don't think they will. I think we're quite happy where he's playing at the moment. But um, he needs to lift anyway. I just don't. Yeah. See, I don't see him replacing because for him to go to half back, he's got to knock off either Simpson or Walker or Tui, and they're all in reasonable form. And they're all great. They're all very good rebounding. And he's not tall players, enough so. to play the third tall role down there, which McInnes plays. Or... Oh no, 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 no! I didn't mean as a tall. I mean as to take advantage of all the spoiling that would have to be going on, all the crummages. Oh, he might play off a wing or something and rove around there, but I don't see him playing off uh, playing a back position, as in a fixed back position. So, but uh, yeah. All right. Uh, key stats, uh, as ODN said, teams have met three times at ANZ Stadium. Swans have won all three. Last time was the elimination final, which Vaughn mentioned, where uh, thanks to uh, uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name now, but. Uh, Trent Dennis Lane? Yeah, well, actually, I was thinking of blaming Dennis Armfield for it, but um, Dennis Armfield got caught in the back back pocket there, and uh, we lost. Um, Carlton has lost 11 of its past 12 games in Sydney, going back to 1994. However, uh, historically, uh, we beat the Swans 127 to 86, going back over the years. Well, uh, but uh, not in recent times. Finals, the record's dead even at five wins apiece. So, yeah. That's uh, pretty much it from our end. Guys, who are going to win the finals on the weekends? Um, who, who, who is going to win this? I've got... I, I want to say Carlton. I think Carlton are a massive chance. Uh, they, If they can... Sydney fade like they faded on Friday night. Carlton could very well run over the top of them. But I, I just... We're always tempted to pick the guys who've won against the guys you sort of just lost, but Sydney are top four for a reason, and and let's not forget that Carlton were ninth. So I'll say Sydney just. Yeah, anyone else? I'm going to throw in Carlton just, um, but that might change, obviously, depending on how Sydney are named and and how fit Carlton can actually be and 
how much tinkering they do to their sides. And I think um, Geelong should um, blow away Port after a, a first tight half. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be close for Geelong and Port, but I'm going to have to go with Geelong still by like maybe 20 to 30. Uh, for Colton, Sydney, it really depends whether or not our gambles taking in these not really match fit players pay off. If it doesn't pay off, we're not going to make it to the next week. Um, if it does, then yeah, have us winning. So yeah, I think we'll win. I'm predicting two close games. I think um, I think Geelong by about two goals, um, and I say that with absolutely no, no confidence. Um, and um, and I'm thinking I'm thinking Carlton can do it. And uh, if 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 we win, it's going to be single figures. It's going to be uh, less than ten points. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same camp there. Anyone else? Um, I, I think uh, Sydney will just get over the top, but it wouldn't surprise me if Carlton, uh, because just because Sydney Sydney has a big unknown about their fitness. Tipping with my heart, I'm going to say Port, but to me. If we're within three or four goals at halftime, I'll be confident at the ground. But uh, that first quarter, if Geelong blow us away in the first quarter, game over. We won't. We just. We won't be able to catch up to them. We've caught up to a lot of other sides, but not too good to catch, give them that much start. Okay, Seppo, um, of of Carlton and uh, Sydney, who do you want to play the week after? Um, well, it all depends because if, if Sydney win. And they've taken the gamble and bring in some plays. They might be cooked more, so I'd prefer to play them. But if if Carlton get a run, um, well, no real side should trouble me too much um, facing them. Obviously, once they've got a trek across, so happy to take either. But I'll just take Carlton just for the, the fact of knock, knocking out Sydney, who are capable of um, a lot more damage, just to be more confident for the week after. Yep. And Messenger, I'd ask you, but I have a feeling you don't want to play Geelong the week after. Uh, if I have, well, I'd rather play Port, but I, I'm, I think uh, from a Hawthorne point of view, if there's any time to get Geelong, it's uh, after a week off and, and Geelong perhaps not in not, not in their finest form, but um, it's uh, nice to have the week off, let's just say that. Yeah, and what, what, do, uh, what do Hawthorne have planned for the week off? Like, oh, the usual nightclubbing, uh, oh, discos, <laughs> the usual sort of thing. They'll probably be uh, uh, probably uh, planning their Mad Monday for uh, October or something like that. Right. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll all be at the SC, MCG on Friday night watching the game. Will, will Buddy get up in time? Yes. Well, Buddy was only suspended. He wasn't injured. Well, there you go. So he'll be up. So it's a question of Cyril. Sorry, uh, Rioli. That's who I meant. Well, um, the word was that he was very, very close to playing on Friday. Um, and uh, so I would be very, very surprised if he did not play. It'll be a question of who misses out. There's going to be a, a young midfielder who's probably going to be pretty stiff to miss out on, on uh, uh, in two weeks' time. Okay, and uh, Seppo, what are your guys up to this weekend? Um, well, I heard Ross Lyons sound a... Uh, interview. He's um, reviewed his notes from Saints preparation and obviously letting the guys go through some hard training sessions um, just to prepare for a normal game. So it's obviously new territory for these guys getting that home final. And for us on the Frio board, there's um, plenty of threads popped up about grand final tickets and everyone's getting ahead of themselves. And we're into uncharted territory here looking at um, 
my first grand final appearance, so um, we're all getting excited, and I'm seeing all these scalpers and new people sign up asking for tickets, so it's uh, interesting times for us and for our land. Now, Seppo, have you had your grand final ballot today? Did you do yeah, that Yeah, I've, I've had my uh, cheer squad. Um, I sit right behind the goals front row, so I got my um, confirmation today. So if we make it, I know from today that I'm going to be there. Yes, and I did my ballot this morning as well. And uh, so I've uh, got my spent $10 to get into a ballot in which I have a one-in-one chance of uh, getting a ticket. So thank you, Ticket Tech. You can get stuffed. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be able to do that, but uh, it doesn't doesn't it's uh, the club's up to the club to get it get us through over the line now. All righty, just before we get to uh, the what we look forward to from the weekend, breaking news. And three uh, AW has apparently reported that Michael Voss will be uh, assistant coach at Collingwood next year. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> wow, that's uh. What? Yeah. Well, f- finally, finally uh, confirming that uh, Buckley is above boss. Mm-hmm. Take yeah, care well, of that argument, won't it? Coming, coming from Twitter, apparently. So, oh. word from 3AW is that Michael Voss will be an assistant at the Pies next year. Oh, so, what's the, so uh, uh, isn't Herd usually uh, grouped in there? So, when does Herd join up? Yeah. Well, pro- probably the year <laughs> after next one, would suspect. <laughs> He's, a, he's only banned from Essendon, isn't he? He's yeah. banned from the game. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. And finally, guys, what do we look forward to this weekend? And uh, Messenger, we'll start with you. I'm looking forward to Port and Geelong absolutely belting the living stuffing out of each other <laughs> on Friday night. I hope that they run their absolute guts out and they throw punches and they... I don't wish injuries on anybody, but suspensions, I'm more than happy to have as many people suspended as possible. <laughs> do your worst, boys. Do your worst. What about you, Fon? What are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, yeah, I think it'll be really good to see... Uh, it'll be good to see Goods back. It'll be good to see, uh, you know, Bolton and all those, like, kind of guys who are on the edge of retiring kind of thing. It'll be good to, like... I don't know. I'm struggling. I can't, like, think of anything. I just want to win the game. <laughs> Fair call. Russell Ebert Handball, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Finally beating Geelong since September 2007. What a time to uh, <laughs> break break the uh, break the drought. Yeah, Seppo, what are you looking forward to, Matt? Uh Like I said last week, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a round of upsets. Uh, I'd love to see Carlton and Port get up just to continue on breaking records. And uh, SJ, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, I'm looking forward to not sounding like a girl. Old Dark <laughs> Navies, what are you looking forward to this weekend? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the fairy tale continuing. Every step Carlton takes is a dagger in the heart of the bombers who put us there. Um, and I know that the losers generally don't come on the podcast the next week. And um, I think Vaughn's been absolutely a delight to have on tonight. <laughs> and I'm sorry she won't be on next week. <laughs> I wouldn't get too cocky, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm looking... Well, I'll be here regardless, because so, I'm here every week. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, just continuing on the run. Like, like Adrian said, uh, I think it's been uh, great that uh, we've managed to finish on top of both Essendon and Richmond and Collingwood now. Um, and quite frankly, the rest of the season doesn't matter. So uh, I'm done. And, uh, you know, stick a fork at me. 
as they say. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Save that for your girlfriend, mate. What? You know, Stick it forking you, yeah. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you know, Carlton are onto something. When Robbie Warnock kicks the first goal of a match, that was the sign that we were going to win that game. And, well, let's uh, just say he lit the path to safety for you. You know, absolutely beautiful. The fact that two, two weeks ago Carlton weren't going to make finals, Essendon, Collingwood, and Richmond were all in there. And uh, two weeks later, we're the only one left. That's uh, that's great. It, it, it is it is one of the great things in our life. Anything you want to add before we sign off, guys? Um, since since this finals uh, system, since two thousand, only two sides have gone out in straight sets: uh, Port in two thousand one and West Coast in two thousand seven. So the the odds are stacked against both Port and uh, Carlton are progressing. Oh, so they're interstate sides that go out in straight sets, then? Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not Victorian so non, sides. Non-Victorian sides, so... Well, there's always a first time, there's isn't an, there? There's an omen there. Been nice yeah. having you on, Russ. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm going anywhere. I host this stupid thing, so... Although I suppose Messenger can do it. I bloody well could too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would if I let you. That's the problem. I would even if you didn't. I'd come, <laughs> I'd come back, and I'd have nothing to do. That's it. Oh yes, messenger. No messenger. Three bags full, messenger. That's right. Yeah, bloody time. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to sign off. And uh, Seppo, thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me again, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs> Russell Ebert Hamble, thank you for coming on. Yes, thanks again for the invite, and yeah. I look forward to being back next week, but I can't <laughs> guarantee it. <laughs> messenger. Good night, one and all. ODN, thanks for being on again. Thank you, everybody. Speak to you next year, Vaughn. <laughs> Vaughn, thank you very much for coming on. Um, yeah, thanks for having me and the uh, top quality banter. Yeah, so hope, hopefully... Um... <laughs> top quality banter. I... So we've never had it called top quality before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really mean that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the thing you weren't meant to say. That's not very pleasant at all. So, uh, hopefully... you goodbye to SJ? I'm not here anymore. I left already. Um, Vaughn, thank you, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll get you on again soon, if not next week. Awesome. Maybe we'll have you next week. I don't know. If we lose, we'll still probably have you on anyway. Um, Odin and I are on all the time, so it's... Uh, <laughs> so you'll get you'll get your chance for revenge. Yeah, yeah you can mock <laughs> us all you like next week. Um, and thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all on the forums.